good morning. If I could have all your attention. Good morning and welcome to chapel. It is wonderful to see every one of you here. I welcome you to our first chapel meeting in the College Church Chapel. I invite you to look around and to get acquainted with this new space. This will be our gathering place for the rest of the year, and we hope this can be a place where you can come on Fridays and relax, worship, and be still with God. Today, we are going to be singing heart songs under the leadership of Deb Brubaker. But before we begin singing, I will read Psalm 108, 1 through 5, and then we will join in prayer. Psalm 108, 1 through 5. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is higher than the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over all the earth. Let's pray. Spirit, creator, sustainer, giver, and friend, we open our lives to your movement. We admire the work of your hands. We give thanks for the abundance of life. We appreciate the gifts you have given, for your presence in us, around us, and among us. We sing praise to your name. Amen. Good morning. It's wonderful to see so many of you here. Let's turn in our blue hymnals to number 12, Come let us all unite to sing. Number 12 in the blue hymnal. And would you stand?
Today's chapel is entitled Heart Songs, What Do We Hear? And I've invited five people to share their heart songs with you this morning. They're going to share stories about a particular hymn or worship song that is important to them and why. And as we gather as a community here at Goshen College, one of our traditions is singing. And that singing defines who we are and how we relate to each other. I want to read uh, a bit from a book by uh, Emily and Don Salyers entitled A Song to Sing, A Life to Live that will help frame what we're going to do together this morning. We are asked to open our ears and our senses to what is new. This does not mean that we must like each other's music, but it does mean that we try to attend to the music and to the person always seeking to discover whatever is excellent and profoundly human enough to touch another's heart. Doing so, we open our vulnerabilities and our hearts to people other than ourselves, asking what music touches down in them. And we have the pleasure of hearing from people this morning what their heart songs are. So I invite Melinda Berry to come and share with us. morning. During my time at Goshen College, the Black Student Union, of which I was a part, went to go see Spike Lee's film Malcolm X that had just been released. In one scene, Malcolm's prison mate, Baines, shows him the dictionary definitions for the words white and black. The contrast is clear. White is pure, honest, unblemished, especially in character. Black, on the other hand, is filled with anger or hostility, evil or associated with evil. This morning I'll be leading hymn number 233 in hymnal a worship book, Joyful is the Dark. The hymn text was written by Brian Wren, a world famous hymnist who in the 1980s began to write hymns that challenged male dominance and isms like racism in Christian faith and worship. He believes in paying attention to the kinds of religious worldview our language creates. Dr. Wren came to Goshen College and spoke in convocation about this journey, also while I was a student, and I still have the broadside he published during his visit. The tune was written by Phil Clemens, who taught in the music department here. My father introduced Phil to Sam Cooke in the world of African-American gospel and soul, music that Phil once told me helped inspire him to start the GC Jazz Band here in 1976. This song speaks to my heart because it reminds me of important lessons I've learned about racial identity and Christian faith. This song tells Jesus' story through darkness, not an evil and hostile darkness, but beautiful, life-giving blackness. Now I want you to notice what happens in the third staff of this song. The lower parts enter first and the higher parts join in a measure later. So we're in a brief round coming back together on the top of the next page. Um, Deb will be accompanying us on the piano. Let's sing together number 
my name is Carla Santiago, and this morning I'm going to lead you in hymn 229, Tu has venido a la This has been my favorite hymn for a really long time, and I owe that in most part to my mom. Her and I are really close, and when I was growing up, she would always tell me stories about when she was growing up in Puerto Rico, and she and her friend would sing this together and make all these cool harmonies and just go out and sing around, and it just sounded like a lot of fun, and I was like, hey, mom, why don't we do that too? So it kind of turned into our song, and since her time in Puerto Rico, my mom stopped singing in public completely, and she just didn't want to do it anymore. And I've been asked to sing in church a lot, and so I was like, I kept asking my mom to sing with me, and she never would. And finally, I was getting ready for my baptism service, and I was like, Mom, I really feel like you should sing with me today because it's a really important day, and I mean, it would mean a lot to me. And so for the first time in my life, I was 16 years old, and my mom sang with me. And um, in church, as the prelude, we sang this, and it just, it really moved me. And um, it just, it gives me a connection with my mom um, through this hymn. Every time I sing it, I just, I'm reminded of her, and she's my best friend. So since I don't have her here around anymore, I sing this hymn and think of her, and it makes me feel better. Um, we're going to sing, I'm going to sing all four verses in Spanish, but if you would feel more comfortable singing in English, that's fine as well.
my name is Lane Miller, and the hymn we're going to be singing is number 651, I Owe the Lord a Morning Song. Um, we usually sing this song at family gatherings because it was written by my great, great, great grandfather or great uncle. The genealogies get a little hazy. But the story goes that he was in Pennsylvania, and it was wintertime, and I've never been to Pennsylvania, but apparently they get a lot of snow there. And one morning he got up to milk the cows, and uh, it was really coming down, and by the time he got done milking, he realized he wasn't going to be able to go to church that day because the snow was too deep and the horses wouldn't be able to get there. So as he was dragging the milk back into the house to have breakfast, he thought to himself, though I can't go to church, I still owe the Lord a morning song. And so while he was eating breakfast, um, he hummed out a tune, he came up with these words, and then he went to the family pump organ and um, wrote out the song is how the story goes. And so uh, it's always been special to me, especially since um, the lyrics speak of a very personal God who um, is very near to us, who's very forgiving. Um, and so that's how I view God oftentimes, and that's why this song is special to me. So I owe the Lord a morning song. I'm Lisa Gadea Carreño, and um, when I was seven years old and living in inner city Denver, my younger sister Becky, who was four at the time, was hit by a car and killed. At the funeral, the children's choir from our church, uh, First Mennonite in Denver, sang Children of the Heavenly Father. That was the first time I had ever heard the song, but at the time it didn't really hit me. Um, yes, I missed Becky. And I felt sad, but more than anything, I was just sort of stunned uh, at the idea that a playmate had simply disappeared, vanished overnight. Not there anymore. Um, over time, of course, the shock faded and the grief 
was expressed more in sort of a wistful wondering, like what if Becky were alive now? What would she be like at 10, at age 15, at 25, at 35? And now what would she be like three years younger than me in her 40s? Um, it wasn't though until I had my own daughter in 2002 that I began to think a lot about Becky again. This time though it was in a new way, not of how it impacted me as her sister, but how it must have impacted my parents, and in particular, uh, my mother, who witnessed the accident firsthand. Several years ago, when my own daughter, Geneviève, was about to turn four, I ended up at a hymn sing with my parents, and this song was sung. And I remember watching my mother's face during the song and knowing she was thinking about Becky. I could tell by the look on her face. And I imagined at that point, how would it feel if Geneviève was taken from me at age four um, under similar circumstances? How would I go on? How on earth would I go on living life, seeing things in this world and in this life in the same way ever again? And then it hit me for the first time. How did my mother go on after that? How on earth could she take care of herself much less the rest of her family after something like that. As we were singing the song, I listened to the words anew, probably for the first time I really thought on the words though. And I began to have some idea of what might help sustain a person through this kind of tragedy. The melody itself I think has sort of a wistful sound to it, but the song, the words are really about reassurance and about solace the kind of comfort that a parent gives to a child when that child is afraid of the dark, for instance. I really now think of it more like a lullaby, like God's lullaby. Maybe the lullaby that Becky and all the other children in heaven hear when God tucks them in at night, so to speak. So please join me in singing all four verses of this hymn. It's number 616 in the hymnal. On verses 2 and 3, I will be changing the masculine references to feminine. Please feel free to use whichever gender references speak to you throughout the song. 616.
Hi, my name is Emily Suara. Um, please turn in your green Sing the Journey books, if you have them. I think they were handed out this morning to number 100. Here I am. For the past year, and this year also, I was blessed to be a member of Parables, which is a traveling worship team sponsored by Goshen College. And though this song was never a part of our program, um, it was often sung as an offertory or a prelude when the church asked us to provide those. And I really liked the tune, and I especially enjoyed singing the suspensions in the alto part. In early January, Parables went to Camp Friedenswald to lead a music at the camp there. And I went on a walk by myself and found a clearing uh, by a lake. And I sat there and I asked God to come and sit with me, to join me in this time, and just spend time with me. But I didn't feel God's presence. I couldn't sense that God was there. There wasn't a breeze or anything. And I got really frustrated and stood up and left. And as I was walking back, I started renting out my frustration in the only way that I really knew how, which is through song. And I started singing this song, realizing that even though I didn't get smoke signals or a booming voice, which is what I had wanted, that God was answering me in a way that I understood a lot deeper, which was through music. So if you could please join me in singing number 100 from Sing the Journey, Here I Am. Uh, please join us for the first chorus, and then Karen and I will be singing the first verse by ourselves, and then please join us for the remaining choruses and verses.
so you have heard some heart songs, and I know that all of you have your own heart songs, and I invite you to share those, not only the songs, but the stories that go with them, because in our listening to each other and our willingness to share that listening and that singing uh, is how we grow as a community and become bigger uh, and more able to bear each other's burdens and uh, share each other's joys. My, one of my heart songs, I have many, uh, can be found in either the red or the blue hymnal. And if you, and some of you know it by memory, if you want to look at it in the blue hymnal, it's 118, and in the red hymnal, it's 606. Many, many years ago, when I was your age, sitting in these very pews, there was a woman who would lead hymns regularly named Mary Oyer. And uh, through her efforts, I believe that we are able to sing as we are today. She traveled many miles and led in many churches and taught people how to sing. And it's really our job to teach each other our songs. And so if you don't know this song, um, I invite you to begin learning it, either by following along in a hymnal or by listening to the people beside you. And if you do know this song, sing it with attention to those who may not know it as well. And bring an attitude of invitation to uh, learn this song together. So uh, we, will, we will end today by singing 118 or 606. Please stand. <laughs> 